When we aren't clear on what we do or what we need, we make our tasks harder than they need to be. Do we like working harder for the result we desire? No. So why do we do that to our own prospective audiences? Successful brands are rooted in purpose and driven by the potential to make a positive impact on their customers. Welcome to The Pursuit of Purpose with Amy Austin. Each week, Amy brings you practical advice to embrace the power of purpose in all aspects of your business and transform it into the central storyline for your branding and marketing strategies. For the March Favorites Files, I'm going to talk about being clear. I'm inspired by Brene Brown's quote, clear is kind, unclear is unkind. I have found multiple examples of this around me over the last several days and even the last week, some on the clear side and many on the unclear side of the statement. First, let me say I am a firm believer in this statement. You've all heard me say that the core principle of my brand promise is for my clients to achieve clarity, consistency, and confidence after working with me. The very first word is all about being clear. Clear on what your brand stands for, what is the purpose of the business or the organization, clear on how you share your brand story and messages, clear on the experience expectations you've set for your business with your employees and delivered to your clients, clear in how you communicate with your employees, your team, and other vendors. The list goes on and on, and every one of these comes back to understanding what your brand is all about and what it stands for. So why has this quote been top of mind for me? Well, it started when I praised my experience with the dentist last week. I had to have my very first crown put on and had zero idea what I was in for. So much so that I even scheduled a Zoom call shortly after the prep appointment. For those of you with experience in this, you immediately know that this was a bad move on my part. I was not thinking about what actually went into prepping my tooth for a crown, so therefore also did not think about the fact that my face would be numb and that I would sound like a drunk woman who had just sucked a bunch of helium. Thankfully, the colleague I was scheduled to talk to was very kind and tolerant of my situation. Thank you so much for this, Sophie. But let's get back to my time in the chair. Through the whole experience, my dentist, Dr. David, told me everything he was doing, explaining when he was using a different tool and what it did. He asked me how I was doing and continually told me I was doing great. Another patient satisfier from this experience is that I could have my crown placed on the same day. I didn't realize this was not the way most people experienced getting a crown done. I went in at 8 a.m. for the prep and the Novocaine, and then went back at noon to have the crown placed. Several days after the appointment, one of the techs called to see how I was doing. I was still having some pain, and I really wasn't sure if that should be expected or not, so I ended up back in the office again the next morning. Again, the clarity was there. Complete explanation as to why my tooth might still be aching, constantly talking about what adjustments Dr. David was making to the crown and closing out the 15 minutes by sharing the x-ray image from after the crown was placed, pointing out where the crown was and where the tooth was and how important and challenging it is to get the bite right 
to allow the nerves to heal. No one likes to go to the dentist, but I do like going to my dentist. All my experiences there have been filled with kindness. And one other compliment to my dentist. The day after my crown was placed was the one-year anniversary of when the office had to close due to COVID-19. Dr. David did a Facebook Live that afternoon thanking their patients for trusting them and for coming back when they were able to reopen. He was honest about his concern as to whether or not the patients would come back when they were able to reopen. But then he remembered that the practice, which has been open since 1986, has been through a fire, two floods, and now a pandemic. After each of those challenging times, the patients came back. The patients come back because of the experience, the kindness, and the compassion of the team at this practice. I don't know if the care or expertise is better than at other practices, but they are certainly among the best, and they keep their patients coming back. I've been a patient there for 20 years. When I initially posted this quote, this Brene Brown quote on LinkedIn, I talked about the importance of clarity in your brand and marketing messaging. Imagine if you aren't clear about what it is that you do for a potential client. This uncertainty puts a burden on the customer to figure out what you are talking about, what you're trying to offer them, and how is it you can help them. Now, why would they be interested in coming to you when the next business that does something similar has made it abundantly clear what they do, how they help, and what the impact will be? When we aren't clear on what we do or what we need, we make our tasks harder than they need to be. Do we like working harder for the result we desire? No. So why do we do that to our own prospective audiences? Another example I've encountered this week was trying to get access to materials I need for a big project that I have going on over the next few months. These materials are available via a website that once I was approved as a user, I assumed it would be easy to get access to those materials. Yeah, well, you know that cliche, never assume. Well, I shouldn't have been surprised when my assumption was way off base. I submitted the first request for one of several resources I need, and about two minutes later, I got an email saying the request needs to be reviewed for additional approval, which could take up to three business days. Each of those seven or eight resources had the exact same requirement. And to make the experience even more frustrating, one of those resources didn't contain everything that I needed. So I had to request yet another piece. This user experience is a great example of how being unclear is unkind. And it started before I ever logged on to the platform. The step-by-step guide of getting access to this material didn't mention a waiting period at all. And my point person at the organization for which I need this information didn't give me a full list of what I needed to request or the heads up that there was a three-day wait period. Clear communication could have shifted this from an unkind to a kind experience. Now let's talk about the use of jargon. I am certain that you can think of terms that mean one thing in your world, but something completely different or mean absolutely nothing in the world of your target audience. 
leverage this. Let's lean into that. And how about ROI without ever explaining what that actually stands for? Healthcare is full of jargon. Marketing is full of jargon. Branding is too. Most industries are. When we start to write emails and content to our target audience, we expect them to know what it is we're talking about because we slide into using that jargon. I challenge you to take a step back and read it as if you know nothing about what you're talking about. Would you understand it? Maybe? Maybe not. And if not, I challenge you to go back with the red pen and make a lot of edits. Don't make your audience try to decipher what you mean, or worse yet, get out a dictionary or turn to Google. Recently, I started following a food plan outlined by a British nutritionalist. I've had to look up a number of vegetables because they are known as something different in the U.S. than what they are known for in the U.K. Is this making following that plan more challenging for me? Yeah. But her work was written for a U.K. market, so the jargon I'm referring to is appropriate for her audience. And now I know that pulses are legumes or beans and rocket is arugula, And zucchini is courgette. And the last bit on clear as kind inspiration comes from a podcast I just listened to. Sell the Way You Buy on the Marketing Book Podcast with Douglas Burdett. He interviews the author David Primer, I believe is how you pronounce his last name, about his book by the same name. They talk about the importance of making the sales process a conversation rather than a pitch. They start the conversation with, when was the last time you enjoyed talking to a salesperson? Primer recounts when he realized that the sales tactics he was training his team to use didn't actually work on him. So why would he think these would work on someone else? The methods lacked empathy and emotional awareness. Here's a bit of a summary of their discussion from the show notes of the Marketing Book Podcast. As buyers, we're often not aware of the pathways or mechanisms by which we make purchasing decisions, and customers aren't always sure about what they want or need. In Sell the Way You Buy, Premier reveals scientifically supported methods of understanding your customer, identifying their needs, and moving them toward the right solution, all while avoiding the behaviors that make the average person dislike salespeople. Sell the way you buy is much more than putting yourself in the customer's shoes. It's about learning how to ask questions, how to listen, how to tell a compelling brand story, and how to talk to customers in a human way that truly connects. In short, to sell the way you buy. Bottom line, be clear in your sales conversations. Speak to your audience with an understanding of where they are in the process and recognize they may not have come to the conclusion they need your solution yet. Practice empathy. Being clear with your intentions and your message is being kind to your audience. The last thing I want to share this week is about the inequities between the women's and men's NCAA tournaments. I am disappointed in the NCAA, but not at all surprised by this inequity. I'm glad it's getting attention now, but it is nothing new. 
It also brought to mind one of my favorite interviews from Brene Brown's Dare to Lead podcast, and that is the one she did with Abby Wambach, retired U.S. soccer great and author of the book Wolfpack. Abby talks about how when she received the SB Icon Award with Peyton Manning and Kobe Bryant, she walked off the stage thinking how different their realities are. They were walking into retirement without a financial worry while she was walking into retirement wondering how she was going to continue to pay her mortgage if she didn't find other revenue opportunities. All three were giants in their sports. Bryant and Manning, as men, were paid significantly more than Wombach was as a female athlete. She received this award in 2016. We are now in 2021. At what point will equity between the salaries of men and women happen? I experienced it myself. A man was hired into the same position as I had. We had almost identical experience in the industry. I happened to find out how much his starting salary was. About 5000 more than mine. Same position, same experience. Why the difference? No good answer other than he was a man with a family at home to support. As the mother of a daughter, I look forward to the day when Women's Pay Equality Day ceases to exist. To close out this episode, I want to share this quote from Marcus Sheridan, author of They Ask, You Answer. Audiences want the same thing. They want to feel like they not only understand what you just said, but that they can apply it to their life. That's it. That's the whole key to it all. No need to overcomplicate something so beautifully simple. Hey, it's Amy. Does this episode have you wondering if you know your brand as well as you could? Maybe you're thinking, how can I have more clarity around my business purpose and its mission, vision, and values? Or what drives my brand personality and how does that impact my business? First, I want you to know you are not alone. I see this a lot. It is easy to jump headfirst into developing marketing tactics, thinking you can just figure out the rest as you go. But there comes a time when you need to hit that pause button and get really clear on what your brand stands for and how you make your target audience the central character in your brand story. If you're thinking, this sounds so familiar, then you and I should have a chat about clearly defining your brand and story. Just head over to amyaustinmarketing.com and send me a note. I hope to speak with you soon. This has been the Pursuit of Purpose podcast presented by Austin Marketing. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast player. Head over to amyaustinmarketing.com for links and resources mentioned in today's show, as well as ways to subscribe and connect with Amy. Thanks for listening.